So I guess, hopefully you can get that song out of your head the rest of the way here, but I guess it comes down to your preferred drink. Coke is mine over Pepsi, by the way. I know I see some heads nodding back there. The point? Superficial friendships. Superficial friendships are all too common. We can shake our hand at one moment, and then the next moment we can walk away. Why is it that we can be friends today and drop that over something incidental tomorrow? A Greek scientist born and raised in Germany after observing friendships in America coined the phrase friendship inflation. That is how he labeled the American habit of making friends quickly and then dropping them lightly. Friendship inflation. Friends. How many do you have? I'm not talking about Facebook friends. Recent edition, by the way, of Newsweek noted the average Facebook user has 120 friends. Friends. What kind of friends? Close friends or acquaintances? How many close friends do you have? A recent poll reported the average American has three close friends. Three. Howard Hughes, a man at one time worth billions and billions of dollars, was reported saying, I'd give it all for one good friend. What would you give up for a good friend? What price are you willing to pay for a good friend? The ties that link people together in Christian friendship are too valuable to be made of the cheap material of convenience. Why can't we be friends? What makes a friend? What separates close friends? Those are the kind of questions that get our attention this morning. We're making our way through the book of Proverbs. And after spending several weeks looking at chapters 1 through 9, we began last Sunday with a more topical approach to the rest of the book. I have selected eight topics I believe need careful navigation as we walk this path of wisdom. I want you to see these eight areas as our proverbial compass. Give careful thought to walking in wisdom rather than folly concerning these eight areas. Now, last Sunday, as we began our topical part of this approach to Proverbs, we looked at the subject of pride, an appropriate place to begin. It is an area, if unchecked, will create more problems than anything else in our walk with Christ, our relationship with others, and our effectiveness in the world. I would argue that pride is the number one reason for for the crippling of the evangelical church today. I would go as far as to say it is pride that is the cause of much of the epidemic of the friendless male that we see in our society today. 
It's pride that keeps others at a safe distance. It is pride that shuts others out. It is pride that says, I don't need you. It is pride. It is pride that that drives superficial friendships so that we are okay with friendship inflation. What does Proverbs have to say about friendships Well, let's explore that in our time together this morning. And there are two main headings under this subject of friendships. Two headings. The first heading is to recognize the influence a friend can have. And the second heading is seek to be a wise friend. So first of all, recognize the influence a friend can have. And secondly, seek to be a wise friend. Let's look at the first heading, recognize the influence a friend can have. And I want you to begin by turning in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 13. You'll be bouncing around here. I warned you of that last week. I'm trying not to uh, exhaust you in that, but there are certain Proverbs I want to draw our attention to that I'd like you to look at. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, 20. It says this. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, what is that saying? It's saying who we hang out with matters. Every one of us, without exception, is influenced by the people we spend time with. Friends shape us. Friends influence us. There's no doubt about it. It just becomes a question of whether it's in a positive or a negative way and to what degree. He who walks with the wise grows wise. So we must make it a priority to pursue wise associations. In the same way, if the company we keep is with those who are fools, it says we'll become like them. That's why Proverbs 22, you can just listen to this, Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 warns us, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you will learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Who we hang out with matters. Billy Martin was best known as as manager of the New York Yankees, a a position he held five different times. He also is well known for arguing excitedly with umpires, and and his routine, you might recall, of of kicking dust on the umpire's feet, remember? Billy Martin undeniably had anger issues. Well, the story is told of one time Mickey Mantle took Billy Martin to his friend's ranch to do some hunting. And when the two of them reached the ranch, Mickey Mantle told Martin to wait in the car while he went and checked with his friend to make sure it was okay to hunt on his property. And so Mantle asked his friend, and his friend quickly gave them permission to hunt. But then he asked for a favor. He had a pet mule in his barn that was going blind, and he didn't have the heart to put this mule out of its misery. So he asked Mickey Mantle to shoot the mule for him. Mickey Mantle agreed to do that. When Mantle returned to the car, he pretended 
to be angry. He, he scowled, he slammed the door, he vented about his friend forbidding them to hunt. He said, I'm so mad at that guy, Mantle said, I'm going to the barn and I'm going to shoot one of his mules. Mantle drove like a maniac to the barn. He jumped out of the car with his rifle. He ran inside the barn. He shot the mule as his friend requested. As he was walking out of the barn, he heard two more shots, so he ran back to the car. He noticed that Martin had taken out his rifle as well. What are you doing, Mantle yelled. Martin, who was a little ways away, replied, his face red with anger. We'll show your friend. I just went and killed two of his cows. (laughs) There's no denying it, folks. There's no denying it. We do rub off on each other. We do. And others rub off on us. Friends do influence us. How we interpret the world, how, what we set our affections on, and how we make choices. And while this is a word for all of us in this room, I want to say a word to young people. Your choice of friends and influence they have on you in this season in your life is absolutely incredible, more than you give credit to. They will shape you more than you realize. And becoming like your friends, is it taking you closer to God or further away from God? Is there any relationship that you are in right now or pursuing that's drawing your heart from God? Why can't we be friends? Because it's drawing my heart away from the Lord. So be wise when you consider your friends. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, I need to say this, that that this proverb, however, does not contradict our mandate to go to the lost. As Jesus hung out with sinners, those who were spiritually needy, We should do likewise. The fool, the fool in Proverbs 13, 20, and throughout Proverbs, should not be confused with the one we are called to interact with and and influence for Christ. A fool is one who totally disregards God and seeks to lead you away from the Lord. But the weak, the spiritually needed, Needy, the ones who who walk aimlessly, we are to be salt and light. But the question on the table that we must continually ask that serves as a reality check for us in this matter of influence is who is being influenced? Who is being influenced? Do your friends, this is for everybody, do your friends grow in their awareness of God when they are with you? Do they grow in godly wisdom when they hang out with you? Are you a wise influence on your friends, or are they more of an influence on you, drawing your heart away from the Lord? So Proverbs, first of all, warns us to recognize the influence a friend can have. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Are you pursuing wise friends? Are you pursuing wise friends? Are you seeking to surround yourself with those who can spur you on in your walk with the Lord? 
Are you making wise associations a priority? Will you commit to prayer and, and taking the necessary steps and making room in your life? Making room in your life. Will you commit to making room in your life for building friendships that influence you for the good? A young man emailed his dad, hoping to get some money out of dad. And he wrote, Dear Dad, I'm 100 miles from home. I'm flat broke, and I have no friends. What should I do? The dad wrote back, Dear son, make some new friends. (laughs) Not bad advice. It's not so easy to do. Not so easy to do. How do we make new friends? Actually, I want to flip that around and focus on how to be a friend, a wise friend. If we want to have wise friends, we must seek to be a wise friend. If we want to have wise friends, we must seek to be a wise friend. So the second heading here is seek to be a wise friend. Well, what does that look like? Will we do that? Well, what does it look like? There are several characteristics in Proverbs. Actually, I'm just boiling it down just to a few of them here. There's several characteristics on what it looks like to being a wise friend. First one is, first one is one word, loyalty. Loyalty. It's a characteristic of a wise friend, one who's loyal. Look with me at Proverbs 17. Go to Proverbs 17, verse 17. 17, verse 17. It says there in 17, 17, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now go over to the next chapter, chapter 18, and look at verse 24. 18, verse 24. Now the first part of this is the different translation is going to say it differently. I'm just giving you a heads up on that. The NIV says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now the first line of Proverbs 18, 24 is very difficult to translate. But it's the second line that's much clearer. It seems to be saying here in Proverbs 18, 24, is that real friends are found not in quantity, but in quality. And the quality emphasized here describes one who sticks closer to to someone than a brother. One One who cleaves to you. One who's glued to another person. It's to have a tenacious loyalty. Are you loyal? Are you loyal? Not 60% loyal. Are you loyal? Would you pass a loyal test? It was one of, of an instructor from a dog training class that noted a dog's disposition can be tested by the owner. If the owner falls down and pretends to be hurt... A dog with a bad disposition will tend to go and bite the owner. But a dog with a good disposition will show concern and and lick the fallen owner's face. Susan Mattis, who attended the class, decided she was going to test her two dogs. Would her two dogs move toward her to bite her or lick her face? So while eating pizza in her living room, she stood up, she clutched her heart, screamed, and fell to the floor. 
Her two dogs looked at her. They looked at each other. Then they raced to the table for the pizza. (laughs) So much for a man's best friends. Will we be there for each other in tough times? Are we the type of friend who run to others' side when there's adversity? When one is wounded, we bite them or hug them, comfort them. What's our disposition? Would we pass the loyal test? Would we pass the loyal test? Are you the kind of friend that remains a friend even when everyone else turns on them? One person defined a true friend as one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. Does that describe you? I can think of a a painful time years ago in ministry where I was put in a very difficult place of remaining loyal to a friend who was under attack from others in the church. I was put in that place of remaining loyal to that friend and and making a decision in my position of leadership I felt needed to be made, yet would have a direct impact on my friend. Now, this wasn't a situation that called for blind loyalty, for me to simply ignore the wrong in the name of loyalty, but to be there for a friend when he needed me the most. Now, as I look back, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, I could have made a different decision. I hurt him. I mean, praise God, our friendship was able to bounce back many years later, and after much anguish, But what did my friend sense from me that was missing? Loyalty. Loyalty. And it stung. It wounded him deeply. Is there someone? Is there someone you did not stand in the gap with? Someone you did not remain by their side when they needed you the most? Do you need to go and make it right with that person? Do it. Do it. Don't put it off. Perhaps you've been on the receiving end of disloyalty. You may be here today feeling the wound and deep disappointment of someone who let you down. Someone you thought should have been there for you and they weren't. I mean, it might have been a spouse. It might have been, it might be, it might have been a mom or a dad or, or someone in this room or, or someone who used to be in this room. And that person walked out on you. That person didn't stand up for you when you needed it the most. I mean, likely to one degree or another, everyone in this room has experienced at least one failed friendship, one person who lets you down. I know it hurts. I know it's scary now to enter into the world of relationships again, and there are no guarantees that you won't get hurt again. But don't go through life on the sidelines. Get back on the playing field. Take the risk. Don't walk through life alone. Don't. A number of years ago, a large newspaper in England ran a contest for its readers to describe the quickest way to London. That was the question. What was the quickest way to London? The winning entry read. 
The quickest way to London is with good company. I like that. As we travel through this life, most of us have discovered the value of good company. Yet most of us have also discovered the heartache and tragedy of failed friendships. As C.S. Lewis put it, if you love deeply, you're going to hurt badly, but it's still worth it. Loved ones, venture out. Pursue wise friendships, and while you're at it, be loyal. Be loyal. Second characteristic of being a wise friend is honesty. Honesty. Being loyal doesn't suggest you condone certain behaviors. At times, loyalty is confused with accepting someone's sinful lifestyle and that you're to simply overlook and support sinful choices. What does Proverbs have to say to that? What does a wise friend do in such situations? Well, look with me at Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Notice with me verse 5. Proverbs 27, verse 5. It says, Open rebuke is better than hidden love. Or better is open rebuke than hidden love. It is hidden love that will not risk saying the hard thing. It is hidden love that really is no love at all. That will not point out to a friend when he's headed in the wrong direction. When a rebuke is needed, it is unloving to not give such a timely word. When a friend is traveling down the road to folly, as we've seen throughout this book here in Proverbs, what is the loving thing to do? Say nothing? Look at the next verse in Proverbs 27, verse 6. The thought continues, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, the power of this verse, verse 6, is the twist in saying the unexpected. Solomon here creatively turns around the obvious. You would expect this to say that you get wounds from an enemy and kisses from a friend, and he turns it around. And what Solomon is saying here is that when you get wounds from a friend, you can trust it. You can trust it. What you shouldn't trust is the multitude of kisses. Like Judas kissed Jesus in his betrayal, the kisses of many who then turn on you. Elsewhere in Proverbs, the same idea is fleshed out. It speaks to flattery. That's the word here I think captures the multiplying kisses of an enemy. Flattery. In Proverbs 28, verse 23... Proverbs 28, verse 23 says, He who rebukes a man in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. Proverbs 29, verse 5. Notice this one. Proverbs 29, verse 5. Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. Now in the world, the name of the game is to butter people up and say what they want you to say. And flattery, by definition, is to speak in such a way to make someone feel good about himself with a view of getting what you want. 
Flattery is to speak in such a way to make someone feel good about himself or herself with a, with a view to getting what you want. I'll be blunt here. Guys do this to girls all the time. You're beautiful. What do they want? Watch it, girls. Don't fall for that. Someone said it this way. Oh, innocent victims of Cupid. Remember this terse little verse. To let a fool kiss you is stupid, but to let a kiss fool you is worse. Not only is flattery used to manipulate a date, sadly, it's used in pulpits. It's used between brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, how often have we witnessed in the Christian community those who give plenty of kisses and hugs and praises to pastors and leaders and others in the church while criticizing and stabbing those same people behind their backs. I won't look, ask for a show of hands. It's happened too, happens once, it's too much. And we can point to examples of those who can one minute seem to roll out the carpet for you and then the next minute pull it out from under you. Tired of it. God's grieved by it. One man observed, flatterers look like friends in the same way wolves look like dogs. If you want to have wise friends, seek out those who will speak honestly into your life. Here's some tough questions I want to ask you. Have you given permission to at least one person to be brutally honest with you? Do you have those kind of people in your life? Is there someone you can go up and ask this question? If you knew I wouldn't react sinfully, what would you say to me? Do you have someone you can ask that to? Try it. I mean, is there something I need to hear from you right now that's going to help me grow? Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Do you have those kind of wise friends around you? Are you that kind of friend? See, if we want to have wise friends, we must seek to be a wise friend. And a wise friend speaks honestly. A wise friend is loyal. I want to mention just one other characteristic on how to be a wise friend. It's the word sensitivity. We have loyalty, honesty, sensitivity. And what I mean by this word sensitivity is that you have a sense of the appropriate. That's how I'm using it. Sense of the appropriate. Proverbs 15, 23 says, A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. So being a wise friend is knowing what to say and when to say it. It is talking less and listening more so that we are sensitive to what it is, it is the person really needs from me right now, rather than what I think they need from me. Now, to go a step further with this, sensitivity also has to do with the handling of information that the other person has shared with you, or what you know about the other person. Look at 1628. 1628. Go there with me. 1628. And I'm going to give you another one after that. 1628. It says, a perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. 
Are you a friend who gossips? Are you a friend who gossips? Gossip separates close friends. You can take that to the bank. In a survey of 40,000 Americans, the quality most valued in a friend is the ability to keep confidences. Can you keep a confidence? Closely related to this is another proverb that addresses this issue of repeating the matter. Look at 17 verse 9. It's on the other page, from the other side of the page for me. 17 9. It says, He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates, there it is again, separates close friends. I mean, you really want to know who your friends are? Just make a mistake. You'll know. Now, I think the second line of this, Proverb, verse 9 of chapter 17, I think the second line explains the first line through contrast. The covering, up, the covering over of sin is not speaking to that hidden love that we just looked at earlier that says nothing about sinful behavior. That's not what it's saying. The covering has to do with what's emphasized in the second line of not repeating the matter. Are you a friend who repeats the wrong? Maybe you don't repeat the wrong to others as gossip does, but you repeat it to the one who did wrong. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, you do. You, got, you start to get historical on people. Oh, remember, I remember when you did this three years ago, 10 minutes ago, 15 years ago. Oh, you do it all the time, right? That's our best one. That really throws a lot of ammunition into it. You do it all the time. I'm going to repeat the matter to you. You get historical by going back in history and you repeat the matter. Henry Ward Beecher once put it this way. He said, one should keep a fair-sized cemetery in his backyard in which to bury the faults of his friends. Good advice. What separates close friends? Gossip. Repetition of wrongs. And in your personal journey, in your personal journey, if you can trace a loss of friends and you can't understand what happened, you can't understand what it was that separated you from her or or him from you, there's a good chance that you might find gossip was present there or the repetition of matters that should have been buried, buried, buried in the cemetery of your backyard. Why do we keep digging it up? What might be causing a separation in one of your relationships right now? Do you need to overlook an offense? Do you need to finally let that wrong go? Do you need to stop repeating the matter? Have you caused dissension because you have either gossiped or listened to gossip? It's the same thing. It will separate close friends. It will divide churches. It will come between us and this church family as brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you being sensitive to what might be separating you from others in this church family? Seek to be a wise friend who has sensitivity.
Seek to be a wise friend who speaks honestly into others' lives for their well-being. Seek to be a wise friend who demonstrates loyalty. Now, I have to ask this. Do you know the forever friend? Do you know the forever friend? The one in whom we must first look to to complete us is Jesus Christ. It is when we are secure in his love and that he is the only one who perfectly fits all the characteristics, by the way, of a true friend. Are we then better, as we get our security from his love, are we then better able to be a friend to others? He's the only one you can pin all your hopes on to come through. And if you're trying to find fulfillment in any person, only to discover they've let you down, then it's time to consider the forever friend, Jesus Christ, the true friend, really will stick closer to you than a brother. Because listen, people will let you down. People will not always come through for you. People will fail you. That's not an excuse for being mean. It's not an excuse for being unloving, but it's realistic. But how freeing. How freeing it is when instead of looking to others to complete us, instead of looking to others to fulfill us, we discover that in Jesus Christ. How freeing. Because when that happens, you will know the freedom in being a true friend, a wise friend to others because you're not always trying to get. See, if we want to have wise friends, we must seek to be a wise friend. Relationships are one of the greatest gifts God has given us. My challenge is don't go through life alone. What influence does a friend make? What difference does a friend make? Ozzie Smith, a 15-time National League All-Star, is considered by many to be the greatest shortstop of all time. On July 28, 2002, Ozzie Smith was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame and in an acceptance speech, he compared his journey to the construction of a baseball. Ozzie says this, protecting the cork, and if I could cut this and show you, you'd see this, protecting the cork center of this ball and reinforcing it are two distinct rubber shells. Ozzie says, for me, these two layers reflect two vital and affirming shells of my core dream. The first shell is my faith in God. With him, I have everything. Without him, I have nothing. The second shell, he says, is the faith I had in myself, which came through my mother's love and encouragement. Ozzie goes on to say, the second part of the construction of this baseball is, manu- is, manufactured, by, is manufactured by the wrapping of over 200 yards of wool around the core. 200 yards. He says, I see this second critical part of my journey in that. I refer to it as the strands of love and faith, strands of love and faith that so many people have wrapped around Ozzie Smith, have wrapped around me as a person, wrapped around my dream through their love and faith in me. He goes on to say this, and this is what I want us to hear. He says, I will never forget the faith that my high school coach, Art Webb, had in me. 
just about the time I was questioning my ability and expressed thoughts of going home, calling it quits, being done with pursuing baseball, Art got wind of my feelings. He called me up and honestly spoke into my life, and he said, Oz, you're not going to quit. You're going to hang in there and weather the storm. And Ozzy says, because of that call and his belief in me, I stayed. That's all it took. What difference does a friend make? What impact can wise, can wise associations have on our lives? It just may be the difference between walking out or staying, quitting or continuing, giving up or finishing the race. We all need friends who help us hang in there and weather the storms of life. Do you have such a friend? Will you seek to be that wise friend? As Proverbs 20, verse 6 aptly says, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, who can find? Who can find? Will you seek to be that wise faithful friend. Will you? Let's pray.